the actual ship and a lot of the aspects of the physical world, they were built for the show. So I do remember sitting inside of my compod and really catching my younger self as a kid looking around and all the buttons were working and you feel like it's your childhood dream coming true because you really feel like a pilot in a ship. It was the coolest thing in the world. He's back! That's right! There was a huge return on this week's episode of Ahsoka. And no, I'm not referring to myself after being absent from last week's podcast. Although I do like to think that that was equally monumental, at least in my own mind. No, (laughs) we're talking about someone actually on the show. And your spoiler alert has just officially been issued. So if you haven't watched episode four of Ahsoka and don't want to know, then I suggest you turn this podcast off immediately. Because three, two, one, Anakin Skywalker has landed. That's right. Darth Vader himself, or at least the guy who became Darth Vader, uh, appeared at the very end of the episode and in a very interesting place. What does it all mean? We are going to break it all down and also talk all about what was a super action-packed episode. And that's not all. I feel like I always say that. That's not all. But that's because we always have so much cool stuff on here. This week, Shin Hati herself, Ivana Sakno, is joining us We spoke to Ivana right before the actor's strike and have that conversation all queued up and ready to roll. All that plus your feedback and your voicemail messages coming up right here on the Dagobah Dispatch. I'm Dalton Ross, here with my hyperspace ring co-pilot, Devin Kogan. What's going on, Devin? Ahoy. This is a fun episode. We had a lot to talk about. We have so much to talk about, and we will talk about it all. A, a, f- a few a few housekeeping items that we like to do right here at the top. First off, it's good to be back. You and Christian did an amazing job last week. It's it's always fun. I was telling Christian, who's uh, uh, about three floors up from me where I'm recording right now in our New York City headquarters, and uh, I said, it's so fun when like I'm not on the podcast. I mean, maybe fun for listeners too, or sick of my voice, but fun for me to just get to listen to it as a fan, kind of like them. Like I watched the, you know, Ahsoka episode up in Vermont and then like got to listen to you all break it down and listen to your cool interview with Diana, the Inosanto. And it was a uh, super fun. Yeah, we, I mean, we missed you. I, I have to say, I'm not as, uh, Sammy and I discovered, I'm, I don't have as much of a radio voice. I can't do like the welcome to Dagobah Dispatch and leave a review and like all that kind of stuff quite as well as you can. So I never hosted a, a, a Bravo game show pilot. So Stop I'm not, I'm not I found, quite there. Dude, I found that DVD the other day. Yes. I was going, I was, I was, like <laughs> my wife finally made me clear out some like BS armoire, which is like all my junk is in it. Like literally like laptop bag straps from laptop bags that I haven't had for a decade, just things like that. And uh, and it was in there. The, the Bravo game show pot was in there. I was too scared to check it out. You did a great job. I don't want to hear any of this nonsense that well, you did not you. do a great job. And um, I want to appreciate everyone else besides myself that was listening last week, all of our listeners. Um, we got another really nice review on Apple Podcasts, by the way, uh, Devin, from Doke Boy Fresh, Incredible if that name. is your real name. Um said, may the five stars be with you. You see what he did there? Hey. This is a five-star podcast for sure. I love Dalton and crew on EW Radio back in the day, so to find this podcast was a real treat. Fun and deep discussions on all things Star Wars really fits the bill for me. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. That was nice. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're really getting into feedback of all sorts and really trying to incorporate you know, you all into the show as much as possible. We appreciate those reviews. Uh, as you uh, may know, if you've been listening, we have uh, we have polls up on Spotify. If that's where you listen to it now. And uh, we had a poll up for last week's episode, which was, who's your favorite Ahsoka villain so far? And um, we have the results. So the results is a tie. It's Ooh. a tie for first place, Devin. Uh, Balin and Shin, Master and Apprentice, each got 31% of the vote. And then Morgan came in after that, Morgan Elsbeth at 18%, Thrawn at 12%, and Maroc, RIP. Uh, and <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. 
at 6%. I like that Thrawn got 12% and hasn't even showed up on the show yet. Like literally right. I have not even seen the dude. I wondered about it, whether or not we should include him, but I was like, we got to include him just because like in every other scene, they're like, we have to find Thrawn. Where's yeah. Thrawn? Remember Thrawn, heir to the empire? Yeah. How many times can they say heir to the empire? I know. There's like, Tim- does Timothy Zahn get money every time they say that phrase? Like, <laughs> he is he got a residual? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's fair. I think, you know, for me, in this episode specifically, I mean, Shin and Balin are fantastic. And I'm excited to get into this episode and talk a little bit about about both of them because they both They're have so some good. great moments. They're so good. Uh, another way that we encourage you guys to interact with us is by leaving us a uh, message. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us what you think. Agree, disagree, weigh in. Uh, we love it. And we have a number you can call. It's 657-799-1566. Anything you want to react to this latest episode of Ahsoka or anything we say um, that you want to agree or disagree with, please, uh, in a respectful manner, obviously. Um, and we'll put it on the show. 657 657- Seven nine nine one five six six. We got a few voicemails. We're going to play a couple of them uh, for you right now. Let's let's listen to our first voicemail we got off of uh, last week's episode. Devin, let's take a listen. Hi, I realize I'm late to the dance with this comment. Uh, however, I don't think my issue with the Sabine lightsaber fight is relegated to the actual injury. Um, I think it's more to do with the fact that they've been normalizing the application of the force. In other words, that pretty much, you know, by making the oblique statement that the force is everywhere surrounding all things, and therefore in some elements some people can use it, i.e. Sabine, um, you know, Han Solo's luck as a pilot and so on, but it just kind of makes the um, funny statement that Finn made in episode seven where Han shoots him down and yells and says, that's not how the force works after he says, we'll use the force. So anyway, just throwing that out there. Uh, interesting point here, Devin, uh, did not leave a name. Please leave a name when you leave us a voicemail. Uh, so, uh, you know, everyone can know who you are and we can, uh, we can address you, but uh, you know what it made me think when, when, uh, this mystery caller uh, mm-hmm. left this message I understand kind of what he's saying in the sense of, do you remember that TV show Heroes? I don't know if you ever watched Heroes. It a was, little bit. I it was, was, yeah. It was great until like the finale of season one. Like the first season until the finale was really, really great. And then it just kind of wasn't so great after that. But the one of the, the problem with Heroes, one of the many problems with Heroes is that eventually like Everyone had a superpower. Even the people that started off on the show that were just normal, non-superpower people, but maybe were helpers or relatives or, you know, studying them or this side. Eventually, like everyone had some superpower. And like that just makes the powers less special when everyone has it. I think that's what he's saying, Devin. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think it's interesting. And that's something we can get into as we get into this episode is like, you know, the question of Sabine, you know, uh, here we have somebody training to become a Jedi or a sort of Jedi um, who isn't, you know, doesn't necessarily have that natural affinity for the Force. Um, I think it's it's kind of interesting because, like, everybody has very strong opinions on what the Force is or isn't. But even Star Wars can't really seem to make up its mind. You know, you have people you. This is the same franchise that gave us midichlorians, which is like the force is a genetic thing where you, you know, are either have an aptitude for it or you don't. Um, but then also it, it's sort of more mysterious. And then also you've got, you know, this idea that anyone can be a hero and, you know, you get a little bit more of that in Last Jedi with like Broom Boy. And, and so like there's even Star Wars can't quite seem to make up its mind. And now we have Sabine kind of training as a Jedi. So I'm curious to see kind of where Sabine's journey goes. I'm a little hesitant to like pass judgment on it because I feel like there some still still are some reveals. And we'll get into that once we talk about there's one particular moment in a Sabine fight scene in this episode that I really love. But yeah, I think it's it's interesting. And I feel like everybody has different opinions on on how the force works when it's not exactly a hundred percent explained. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Uh all right, let's uh we before we get into the episode, we got one more voicemail, another uh, mystery caller. Let's take a listen to this one. Hi, a couple of weeks ago you guys put out a call for people who aren't as familiar with rebels 
or Clone Wars to see what they thought of Ahsoka. Um, and I think it's all right so far. I mean, I'm not terribly confused by the characters. What really bothered me was calling Morgan a witch. I don't know what it is, but the idea of witches in the Star Wars universe really bothers me. Uh, and when her ultimate weapon was called turbo lasers, which I feel like they could do so much better than turbo lasers. To be fair, my wife is a huge Clone Wars and Rebels fan, so some of the ideas I was kind of familiar with. Uh, and in fact, I was at, wondering if you guys could help me out with her because um, I think she likes this stuff so much, she, she it's like a problem. Her office, since this podcast began, has become overrun with Star Wars stuff. Uh, when she got a new job recently, she bought Ahsoka's, um, Ahsoka's lightsabers. And just a week or so ago, two different chopper robots showed up in our house. So I'm just wondering if you guys can help me stage an intervention uh, to get her the help she desperately needs. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> well, Devin, who? Well, I put this. I put this out to longtime faithful listeners as well. Who do we know that happens to be a huge Clone Wars and Rebels fan? Uh, recently started a new job. Mm-hmm. has Star Wars toys all over her office. And you and I know recently received two chopper droids that she ordered of different sizes on the exact same day. Who could that possibly be? I mean, this mystery caller didn't leave his name. And I like to think that there are multiple women out there who are obsessed with, uh, you know, or are having an issue with with too much Star Wars things getting collected in, in their office. But, you know, I, I, I think it's I'm no Sherlock, but but I'm I think I believe this is the husband of our dear friend, Lauren Morgan, former Dagobah Dispatch co-host. Yeah, this is Nick. This is totally <laughs> Nick calling and selling. And I'll tell you, everyone, the, I don't know whether Lauren knew he was calling or if she's just listening to this now. And figuring out that he called. But my favorite part about it is that either way, I know how mad she's going to get that he mispronounced Ahsoka's name. (laughs) That's the best part of all this. When he says Ahsoka and then he he corrects himself, but it's too late. She's already like so pissed (laughs) off and like, what? And you know, she's getting mad at him for not liking the quote unquote witches uh, because I, I knowing Lauren and she's obsessed with the night sisters of Dathomir. Uh, so she's going to be upset about that. And, uh, I hope everything's going to be okay in the Morgan household after we just played this message. But, um, she, no, Nick, she has a problem. Your wife has a problem. I think she has a problem. She has a problem. I think she needs more choppers she, in her life. <laughs> so does she. Think, can you ever have enough though? Yes. I think how, you can. How many think, is I, too many? One. I think one is the number. <laughs> I mean, like, I what I don't know is she ordered two of them. I don't like. Do they do different things? Well, from what I understand, I think she told us that she ordered one and then forgot about it, and then ordered <laughs> another one, <laughs> but didn't return it. Like she took it. She sent a Devin and me a photo, and it's like she. They're both out of the box. They're both like sitting yeah. there, like moving around. So she didn't be like. Oh, and she got them the same day, so she could easily be like, oh right, I you know leave this, we'll return this one. I, hopefully one of them does something the other one doesn't like maybe has different like beep bop boop noises or like spins around uh and you know with it gesticulating wildly with its robotic limbs i have no idea you know I, you gotta have multiple you have one for the office one for the kitchen one for the living room you just a chopper in every home that's that's my my campaign pledge I- <laughs> <laughs> and the, you know, Nick did did uh, did get into something interesting here in terms of the witches because I wondered again. I love hearing from people that haven't watched this show, and you know, leave us call us on the voicemail and let us know how you feel. Because if I didn't have some of the background with not just the animated shows but the video game, because Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order goes to Dathomir and it's awesome. <laughs> it's so cool. That part of the game is so cool. If I didn't have that i think i would be like nick i'd be like witches like we already have the force do we need magic too like it just seems like we have the force we don't need witches and magic that's like the force is magic as it is we don't need this other kind of weird magic and i could see being a little like not into it i am into it because of the other stuff but i could see not being into it what do you think Devin? yeah i mean i think it's kind of interesting i you know star wars is Certainly in the original trilogy, it's very much sort of as down to earth as a like sci-fi 
series about like space lasers can be um but there's this idea that like ooh, the force is like it's out there and magic and that's not really real you know it's hokey religions are no match for a good blaster um but yeah certainly in the prequels and certainly in clone wars and rebels you get a little bit more of a of an exploration into sort of like the mystical magical side of things um and the idea that like there's a lot unexplained in this big enormous galaxy um so yeah, it's I can see how you know for some people are like oh yeah of course the witches of Dathomir and other people are like wait witches like wh- what's going on so I I'm curious to see sort of how those things kind of continue to be incorporated into the live action side of Star Wars because I think we're gonna you know at, as the live action you know world continues to grow I think we're gonna see some more of those sort of like weird fringe you know kind of uh, outside moments you know that that people who are fans of the original trilogy or, or just the films or whatever might be like, huh, that's new to me. So anyway, it's interesting. Yeah. All right. Let, let, enough of this, this poppycock and this tomfoolery. Let's, let's get it. And well done, Nick. I love that. I love that, uh, ep- that message. That was awesome. It was so good. <laughs> let, let's get into the episode, episode four, and let's start right at the end. I mean, right. Like we, we can't, we can't put this off anymore. Uh, Devin, uh, Take us into the big return of Anakin Skywalker and what happened in here, and then let's get into it. Yeah, so the episode ends with Ahsoka sort of losing this lightsaber battle to Balin Skull. She tumbles off a cliff, um, you know, down there on the planet Cedos. Um, and we, we see her waking up, but you can tell immediately that something's not quite right. There's, you know, it, there's sort of like this mystic quality around her. And as she sort of stands up, she hears this voice. And you don't necessarily like hear it, but it's confirmed in the subtitles. You hear someone say, hello, Snips, which... Clone Wars fans know, obviously, was Anakin's sort of nickname for his Padawan, Ahsoka. And immediately Ahsoka clocks it and she says, Master, and she turns around and he's there, de-aged Hayden Christensen, dressed exactly like he was when we saw him. I mean, gosh, he's pretty much wearing his uh, Revenge of the Sith outfit, you know, with the the all black and the longer hair. I'm glad he doesn't have the Padawan braid. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's Anakin. He's not a force ghost. And they are in what appears to be the world between worlds, which is sort of this force ethereal region um, sort of that exists outside of time and space. We first saw it in Star Wars Rebels. Um, and it's them coming face to face. And I don't have it in front of me exactly what he says, but he says... Um, Oh, he says, I didn't expect to see you so soon, Um, which suggests that, like, is she dead? He's dead. What's going on in this sort of world between worlds kind of situation? And it's a it's a big, big moment. Um, And it's one that we sort of knew this was coming, Dalton. I mean, there's been rumors for months, if not years, that Hayden Christensen was coming back. Disney released a, a teaser with like Hayden's voice in it, you know, sort of hinting at this. So we sort of knew this was coming. It was just sort of a question of when and how, um, whether it was going to be a flashback like we saw in Obi-Wan Kenobi, whether he was going to be a force ghost. Instead, we get something different. We get them having an actual conversation in the world between worlds. So what did you make of this, Dalton, when when you watched this last night? Yeah. So just if if, if you haven't watched Rebels and you, you, know, you want a little more background, like Devin mentioned, it shows up there. I actually think the episode's called World Between Worlds. So it's <laughs> yeah. you know, pretty, and I think it's season four. So, you know, you can go find it and watch for yourself. But essentially, Ezra Bridger, this guy they're looking for, goes in there, goes to this Jedi temple, gets in there, uh, gets Ahsoka in there. Um, Sidious is trying to get in there. Um, and Ezra wants to go back to like save his master, Kanan Jarrus, and we can talk about him maybe a little bit later. Um, but eventually, you know, they they don't want to mess with time and space. But this place allows you to travel through time and space, uh, in a sense. That's where it exists. So, you know, that's what the world between worlds is. And will that somehow, if you can travel between time and space, is that what's gonna get you to Grand Admiral Thrawn? Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. But um, that's what that place is. As far as seeing Anakin, I agree with you 100%. We knew it was going to happen. Let's just be honest. We all kind of knew it was going to happen. And like you said, just didn't know how and when and where it was going to happen. Um, I thought, you're right, his look was sort of latter day, end of Clone War, you know, season seven Clone Wars meets sort of uh, Revenge of the Sith uh, look there. Um, I really like the way, if you go back and watch it closely and listen closely, the very end, 
musically, you'll hear shades of the Imperial March. Oh yeah, which is kind of cool. Which is I like, it's like it's not a full Imperial March, but you hear that sort of um, coming through a little bit, which was nice. And you and I were texting a little bit about this. Um, the de-aging. I remember let's ta- talk yeah, about let's, the let's talk about it because you and I spoke a lot about this when they did the de-aging on Obi-Wan Kenobi. And when they had that fight scene, right? They showed the the master Padawan training fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And we commented that we thought it looked good, like they didn't go too far with it. And like clearly, like Anakin almost looked a little too old, but it's but it looked better than this really fake looking, weird, gauzy, almost like you're on a zoom and you've hit the adjust my appearance level way right. too far up, you know, like high up. So it didn't look like that. I said, I'd rather see him look a little older than look like really fake. And so we kind of liked what they did here. Here, they they put the pedal to the metal on the de-aging a little bit. And and you said it as well in one of our texts. It was in like his eyes and forehead just didn't quite look right. It's it's something about the eyes just not quite right to me. Um, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, de-aging tech is so extraordinary and you can do so many things with it. And, you know, it, there's so many times it's seamlessly used and we don't even notice it. But there are certain things that, like, are so difficult to get right and difficult to animate correctly. Um, and something about the eyes and, like, the eyebrows, I, don't, I almost think, like, the makeup artist, like, filled in his eyebrows a little bit much. He's kind of got, like, that, like, 2016, like, snatched brow look. <laughs> I could be overanalyzing it. Um, but I'm curious... Presumably, in the next episode, we're going to get more Hayden Christensen, and I'm curious whether it will be a little more, um, whether it'll be continue to be jarring, or whether it'll will you know you're, you'll sort of adjust a little bit um, as he's like moving and talking and presumably having a conversation with Ahsoka. Um, but otherwise, I mean, look, I'm never mad to see Hayden Christensen back. I we you and I both spoke to him around Obi Wan Kenobi and you know getting to talk to him you know you talked to him for the cover I talked to him at Star Wars Celebration kind of right off he got got off stage to thunderous applause and you know it's it's it'll never cease to make me happy that he's sort of getting his flowers you know and after you know the prequels were sort of you know derided and and made fun of and and specifically his performance got some some really unnecessary hate so to have him have this like big homecoming back to the star wars galaxy it is it is really touching and it actually like really means a lot to me i'm and i'm really curious to see kind of what it's like to have this conversation between you know his anakin and rosario dawson's ahsoka um because that's we haven't really seen that before you know so much of Ahsoka and Anakin is Matt Lanter voiced Anakin in the Clone Wars with Ashley Eckstein in um, voicing Ahsoka. And so much of like the Anakin Ahsoka relationship is those two actors. So I'm really curious to see what Hayden Rosario can do with like that same relationship because they got a lot to talk about. Uh, Last time they met, they were in a lightsaber duel and uh, he was Vader. So, it, you know, there's a little bit of trauma and, and a little bit of conversation to have there. Also, he's dead. So yeah, <laughs> I'm there's curious. That. There's that what, wrinkle. And she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I met your son. Like, I've, I've hung out with Luke a couple times with, with R2-D2. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious what those conversations are going to be like. I agree with you. I love having him be back part of the franchise. I can also tell you when I was at Celebration this year in London and where I would go to interview all these casts and stuff, it was kind of... I don't know if you've ever if you've ever been to a Star Wars celebration. Have you ever seen clips from there? They have this giant sort of like uh, stage in the middle of a crowd, and they'll bring in uh, out cast members, and people go crazy. They open the doors, they play the theme music, and they come out and they talk to some hosts. And um, I was coming down from these and I um, I'm walking. I have to walk back behind the backstage area, and I see him there. And at first, I was going to go up and say hey because, like you mentioned, we spoke for the cover story, and I think uh, and I spoke to him once after that, and he said how much he really liked the cover story and a nice interaction. But instead, I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch him. And so I just watched him sort of be out there and be ready and people coming up to him and being so excited. And it's just like, I'm so glad he's getting this. Like, I'm so glad that he's, you know, whether you like the performance or not, like he's just a good dude and like a down to earth dude, really unpretentious dude. And it's really nice that now he can bask in the glory and not have to have all that negativity swirling around them. And so, um. I, it's it's great for him to be back on the show, and yeah, the, the listen. I just de aging all, even when it's done well. It's sort of I have a hard time with it. Like, yeah, I thought I have a lot of issues with the most recent Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> um, 
But I thought they did a good, I mean, as good a job as you can do in terms of the way they made Harrison Ford look in that opening sequence. But it's still just weird. Like, you know, it's not really him and it just, it just, or is him, but it's not him. It's just sort of weird. So look, I'm going to try not to get caught up in that. It did look funky. I thought it looked really good in Obi-Wan. Yeah. Kind of wish they'd gone from a little bit more of that approach, but in any event, he's here. Yeah. He's in the world between worlds. This is set sort of post Vader. I feel like there's a little bit of wiggle room. Like they could have been like, here's, you know, 40 year old Hayden Christensen, you know, as Anakin. Um, He doesn't need to look exactly like he did in 2002. Um, So you know, we're sort of in this mysterious world. He's, you know, not really a force ghost. He's whatever, you know, like I, they have a little bit of wiggle room. So if they, he had a couple extra wrinkles or whatever, you know, he's also, not an old looking guy, Devin. He's aged phenomenally. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. Like, you know, Seriously. It's not like he's, you know, it's been 60 years since he yeah. played, played Anakin or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope there's maybe a little more of a light touch on the, on the, the retouching, but um, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm very curious. I, putting aside the 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 wonky de aging, I'm excited to see from a story perspective, kind of where this goes. Yeah, I, and I I think you're 100 percent right. I think listen, all my Star Wars predictions are always wrong, uh, <laughs> but but I, I assume we're gonna get a lot more of this uh, next week. Um, so it'll be nice to see. Um, anything else you want to say about Anakin's return before we move on? Just that, like you, I love the music cues. I think I thought yeah. that was a really nice, and the world between worlds looks really interesting in live action. Um, you know, I think I think it's a it's a very kind of cool ethereal kind of quality to it with all these like long pathways and and you know things. So I'm into it. Yeah, me too. Um, if you guys want to weigh in on Anakin's return, you can leave us a message six five seven seven nine nine one five six six. That's six five seven seven nine nine one five six six. Leave your name. Tell us what you thought about it and the, the world between worlds and, uh, and Anakin's return and Hayden Christensen's return. All right, let's just get into overall. We've talked about that, but let's just talk about our overall thoughts on this episode, Devin. Um, I didn't, I wasn't on last week's show because I was away. And it's interesting because you and I both really liked the first two episodes. I didn't love last week's episode. Um, I, I just, it sounds weird to say, but like Jedi training sequences can sometimes be kind of boring. We've seen so many of them, either animated or live action. And I get that they were trying to draw parallels to Luke's training with the whole, hey, I, I can't see with the blast shield down, like right when Sabine's yeah. doing it. But like, it just wasn't for me that interesting. I thought last week's episode also had a really anticlimactic ending. Like we knew Balin and them were searching for them down. And it just ends with a very like pseudo dramatic shot of him. Like, you know, begin the search or whatever he says, like, I can't remember, but like, it just kind of, after the first two episodes, I didn't hate it, but it just didn't really get me super charged up. This week's episode (laughs) got me super charged up with tons and tons of action, which we'll get into in a second. But what'd you think of this week's install? I, I felt similarly. I there, you know, I think I might have liked liked last week's episode a bit more than you, but I agree. There's my biggest issue with last week was it was about characters finding out things that the audience already knew. Um, and so we were just sort of watching some of these characters play catch up to things we, the audience had already been privy to. Um, whereas this one had some actual surprises and some actual like plot developments and some interesting things. Um, specifically we got a lot of really great lightsaber battles. Oh my gosh. Like some really, really great lightsaber battles. And this is something that on, certainly on the Disney plus side of star Wars, we got a little bit of an Obi-Wan Kenobi, but man, we have not had much in the way of lightsaber battles because it's all been Mandalorian and Andor and things where, you know, Jedi are not the, um, sort of the, the center focus of this. Whereas here, I mean, we got like, three or four and it was kind of awesome so we basically get sort of the bad guys encroaching uh, you know finding the the good guys and there's my favorite character on this whole stupid show is Hu Yang, voiced by David Tennant. I'm obsessed with him. I thought it was curtains for for Hu Yang for a minute. I thought those scary droids were going to get him, but he's got some moves. He like took out a bunch of those droids, and it's kind of great. I I'm he's he's rising in my my droid ranking. I'm I'm a big fan of him. And then we basically sort of get this this twin lightsaber battle where you get Ahsoka going up against Maroc, um, and you get uh, Sabine having a rematch with Shin. And so you get these sort of like twin lightsaber battles happening at the same time. And I love the moment. Let's, so let's, let's talk about Maroc 
because uh, Merrick, Marak, I still don't know at this point. Marak. Um, I had a prediction that he was going to be revealed to be somebody. You know, he's a mysterious character with a mask. He doesn't really talk very much. Like, there, there's he just every storytelling flag. It was just going off, being like, "This guy's important," and there's going to be a reveal. And Dalton, I was wrong. I was so wrong. <laughs> R.I.P. Rock. I love you being wrong for two reasons. Okay, one because it's not me being wrong. Like it's always <laughs> usually me being wrong. So I love that it was you. But also, I, I, you're you're right. Listen, Devin and I watch a lot of movies and TV. And like I said, you've seen anytime, like you don't really, I mean, he had a muffled voice, clearly some sort of voice changer, it sounded like. You don't see his face. There's a reason for that. When they're in yeah. the writer's room, there's a reason for that. And so I love that he was just some nobody. I love that like they, they like for once it wasn't like everyone's connected and everyone is someone. It's like, no, he's just this warrior and and you dispatched him. So I love that that he was nobody in that sense. Yeah. I thought it was really, really, really cool and smart. I, I do love the moment. It's a little bit of an Indiana Jones moment where he's got this insane double-bladed spinning lightsaber coming at uh, coming at ah- Ahsoka. And she sort of just like steps aside and slices him in half. It's very much Indiana Jones and the guy with the swords and him just shooting him with the pistol. Yeah. And, um, and meet, meets, meets like um, Thanos when he turns into brown ash after he yeah. gets killed and just sort of like fades away. <laughs> yeah, he kind of like explodes into dust. Like it's like sort of like Is, they like punctured him and he just sort of like deflates. Yeah. Is he in the blip? Like, where did he go? Like, is he going to be gone for five years? I don't know what happened there. I literally wrote in my notes, oh my God, she like chopped him in half. In all yeah. <laughs> it was pretty And then he's great. fine. Well, you just put him in the back to tank. Like, yeah, Sabine, exactly. he'll be for Darth Maul. He'll be fine. He'll be no fine. It's, it's tis but a scratch. <laughs> um, well, let, let, listen, there were so many, like you said, battles. Here's the question I have for you. And this is the question that I have for everyone else. And, um, you know, uh, I encourage you all to, you can call in and weigh in on this. You can also uh, vote on this and our, we'll make this our Spotify poll. But yeah, buzz us at 657-799-1566 and let us know and which battle you loved most and why. And you know, we'll play your answer right here on the pod. But Devin, you get first crack at it. We had Ahsoka versus Maroc, like you said. We had Sabine versus Shin. By the way, I think my favorite moment is, you have no power. I just so love good. Shin so much. So good. We have Ahsoka versus Balin, which you know, a little foreshadowing to Anakin's appearance there with some of their dialogue. And, and we had the droid fight. We had the droid fight that you mentioned. And I don't know if we've ever seen a full-on droid fight. Uh, I mean, we saw in, in Solo where, and we've seen other things where like K2SO2 is like shooting. But I'm not sure we've ever seen real droid on droid action unless there was one from Solo that I'm forgetting. Uh, anyway. Those are sort of the four big fights we have. There's space battles too. But um, which of those, Devin, was your favorite? Well, like I said, I love the droid fight. And there's a moment I really love in the Sabine and Shin fight, which is where it's sort of a rematch of their earlier clash and they're fighting with lightsabers. And the reason Sabine wins is that she stops trying to fight like a Jedi and she starts fighting like a Mandalorian. And that's how she gets the upper hand on um, on Shin. And I really loved that moment because it's sort of like leaning into letting Sabine stop trying to be something she's, you know, she's not or that she's struggling with and really leaning into her strengths. I really love that moment. But I gotta say, all time like ha- or like hands down, all time best, it Balin and Ahsoka. I mean, this is just two like former Jedi at the top of their game just going at each other. And I remember when I interviewed Rosario, and you can go back and listen to our interview on the pod, and she talks about working with Ray Stevenson, who plays Balin's Cole. Um, and she she was like, he's like the nicest gentlest kindest man um but like when they fought did that fight scene she was like oh my god right like it's we're, we're not fighting for real like it's really <laughs> he was really intense and really like into it and just like nailed all the choreography and so and you could really see that on screen i really it's just it's really cool to see okay here are two people at the top of their game kind of showing off their skills and there's a lovely moment of silence um where there's like a full minute where nobody speaks and nobody moves and they're just sort of like circling around each other until finally like ahsoka makes the first move and the battle starts um but it's just it's a really great interestingly choreographed lightsaber battle um and it's interesting you know ahsoka is only really using one lightsaber um for much of it it's it's as opposed to the double lightsabers it's it was just a very interesting cool cool set piece i was i was really into it so that's my pick hands down um what about you dalton it's hard i really i mean 
There's good what? ones. It's a good yeah, episode. Yeah, they're all great. Like I said, a droid fight is really fun. I mean, Sabine droid and fight, Shin. Droid fight. Droid fight. To just sort of piggyback off what you said, I love the move. It's not just that she acts like a Mandalorian to sort of stay alive against Shin, but she it looks like she's trying to do a force push and then she just sort of turns her wrist down to release, you know, the little like rocket thing that comes out of her wrist wrist uh, armament from her Mandalorian armor. So that was really cool. Uh, and you have no power. Uh, and I love, I love Morocco. He's very obviously like some more martial arts influence there from that fight. So I like that. And the Ahsoka Balin one was, was great as well for all the reasons you expressed. I, I if you had to push me, um, I'm, might say Sabine Shin, actually, just mm-hmm. because I love Shin and I like Sabine, the different element of it using, it's almost like, you know, Boba Fett meets Ray or something, the style, you know what I mean? You got like some cool like gadgets and you know, I love my gadgets, but then you also have some like, you know, lightsaber action as well. So that one was pretty, was pretty, was pretty great. I also want to briefly talk about, I love Shin's look in this show. Like everything about it is so good. Like she's got this very, like I got major Joan of Arc vibes specifically in this episode. Like with the, the Bob hair is very Joan of Arc and like her armor, it almost has like a medieval quality to it. It almost looks like it's like silvery and sort of like plate armor. Um, and I, I love her, like her hair with her, like one little long Padawan braid, um, I just everything about her is, her is so great. Yeah. She, the way she doesn't blink at all when in, like in battle and just stares someone down with those big eyes. It's great. Yeah, she kind of gives me like Chloe Grace Moretz vibes, but like I don't know, like evil space Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I just I love her styling. I love Ivana Sakno's performance. I just it's I I've been really pleased by and and let's talk about Ray Stevenson because I think Ray Stevenson's performance in this episode is really phenomenal. I mean, he is somebody who is giving one of my favorite performances on the show because he could have just very easily been just sort of generic Sith, you know, just a sort of generic bad guy. He's got a red lightsaber, he's helping the bad guys whatever, but he's Ray Stevenson gives him this sort of like quiet like almost gentle quality and and sort of like a, a regal quality to him where he's somebody who very clearly he cares about the past and he he like is deeply respectful of Ahsoka and her talents even though he you know ultimately decides to fight her and, and try to kill her um but there's like this sort of like nobility to his performance that I think is it just makes him so much more interesting he could have just been stock character bad guy and I think Ray Stevenson really kind of elevates that character with his performance he thinks he has honor. Like he thinks yeah, he has a code. 100%. Usually the Sith code is just like deceive, kill, like whatever, you know, yeah, whatever. Every man for himself. Um, they might have things to say about the Jedi and like how hypocritical they are, but they've, they've got no, they're not, they're not trying to stand on any moral high ground. He is trying to stand on a form of moral high ground, which we see later on when he makes Shin release uh, Sabine from the force grip because he gave her his promise and he says he's going to hold on to it. So that's what makes him so interesting. He's 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 a fallen Jedi. Obviously, he's a mercenary. He's not a good guy, but right, he but he's, he, right. But he does think that he has some. He's just doing what needs to be done for this task for what his ultimate result. And he's not looking to inflict unnecessary carnage. Um, he's not seemingly taking pleasure out of it. He, he just this is what needs to be done, and I will make sure it is done. Um, speaking of which. How much, maybe I'm the only person that yells at my TV screen. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a psychopath. (laughs) But were you yelling at your TV screen when Balin was convincing Sabine to not blow up the map and give it to him just so she could see her friend Ezra? And I was literally like, don't you, don't, don't you do it. Don't do it. Ahsoka told you, (laughs) like, we have to do this. This has to be done. And I actually, Devin was like they're not gonna they're not gonna like they're she's gonna blow it up she, yeah. she I, I thought she's gonna blow it up because they teed this up and they're not gonna make Sabine see this easily manipulated uh and so she's gonna wait to the last she's gonna start to hand it over to him and then like maybe he put his hand then she'll shoot it while it's in his hand I don't know something like that and then she gave it up I couldn't believe it insane i also was yelling at my television i'm also somebody who yells at my tv a lot whether it's me watching cardinals baseball or me watching hgtv and yelling at couples on house hunters um that's usually what i do but no i was also like it's it's very you know i mean it's it's a big move it's it's a it's a it was kind of shocking i was not expecting it um you know because we've if you've just met sabine in ahsoka or if you followed her you know all throughout star wars rebels i mean 
this is kind of a it's kind of a shocking move. Clearly, she she very much loves Ezra and wants to see Ezra again. Um, and at this point, she thinks Ahsoka's dead. Um, well, no, I don't even know if she thinks Ahsoka's dead when she first starts to. I don't know. She's, um, I mean, she sees her go off the cliff, but yeah, you know. especially when you know, like Ezra sort of sacrificed himself to sort of stop Thrawn from from coming through, and and so for her to be like, I'm gonna just sort of like move through it and 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 just do what I want, just so I can see my friend again, is is a very interesting, interesting move. And I'm my only thought is that like, okay, maybe she has some plan to be like, okay, if I find. Ezra or whatever, if I go with them to, you know, wherever Thrawn is, somehow they can track me or they can find me. And Hera, maybe she has some plan up her sleeve, but I don't think she does. I think it's just she saw the opportunity and she took it and she thinks she's doing the right thing. Whether it is the right thing, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but it's very, very interesting. I'm, I was, I was very surprised by this moment. Um, and I do love, you know, Shin sort of trying to, you know, like get her revenge and Balin being like, no, she's with us. Have some honor, you know? Um, and there's a great moment where we see it with Ahsoka briefly in the fight with, with Balin. And I, I don't know if it's, oh, she thinks Sabine has died. She, there's like this moment where, where Shin comes back and she's like, Sabine. And she like almost force chokes Shin a little bit. Like there's like, it's not quite a force choke, but there's like clearly like picks her up and sort of throws her back. It's not, it's not good guy Jedi yeah. behavior. Yeah. It's a, it's a really cool moment. And that's sort of when Balin is like, oh, you are very, I, I knew Anakin. You are very much like him. Um, you know, you are not sort of like the classic Jedi. That was like a little tiny moment in that fight that really sort of like raised my radar and was like, oh, that's something we haven't really seen before because the good guys don't do that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, the Sabine choice is look. Sabine's making choices. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I agree with them, but we'll see where they go. You know, it's this isn't really a complaint at all. Of just more of an observation. As we talk about all these incredible fight scenes we got in this episode, and you know, gotten episode in the first week as well. Why is Diana Lee and Asanto not fighting? It's so I'm weird. waiting for it. She, for those that don't know, I mean, she. That's why she was cast in this role. She's a martial artist. Her godfather's Bruce freaking Lee. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why she was cast as Morgan Elsbeth to do that fight scene against Ahsoka in the Mandalorian. And yet, you know, she's just like, you know, looking ominous, opening up maps and talk cryptic dialogue. But we haven't seen her do any action whatsoever i have to and we don't need it because there's been tons of other action but i have to imagine at some point they're gonna have to unleash her right i think so and and you can listen to my interview with her last week and and she sort of hints that you know she got to do some cool stuff for for this one so i'm i mean that's the thing you you don't hire diana lee and asanto if you if you don't want some some totally kick-ass fight scenes so i'm i'm very curious to see whether we're gonna get one at some point i'm just i, I think it's a question of when and how. Uh, some of the other odds and ends I want to hit on. What do you think about Carson Tiva? Teva? Tiva uh, being back, uh, our favorite uh, Mando pilot. I know. I was like, oh, hey, uh, good to see him again. Um, I There were some people wondering whether or not Zeb might show up this episode because it's directed by Peter Ramsey, um, who was one of the co-directors of the first um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He also did the episode of The Mandalorian where Zeb shows up. So people were like, oh, maybe this will be the episode. But um, no Zeb. We're still on Zeb Watch for now, um, but uh, yeah, no, was was always happy to see see Carson back. Um, I didn't get a totally good look at some of the other X Wing pilots, but was that Deborah Chow in one of them? Because I know she's been an X Wing. She's pilot. done it before. I didn't know. I, I didn't look. I didn't close notice enough. this yeah. time. Um, and I didn't get a good look at at some of the other um, X Wing pilots. It was sort of a blink and you'll miss it moment. I'm curious whether those were also. Um, some familiar Lucasfilm faces and filmmakers. Um, nobody yeah, I recognize off the top of my, my head, but um, I want to go back and rewatch. Um, but yeah, was was always happy to see him back. Um, yeah, and and interesting that you know we we got to see the ghost in sort of its full glory. Um, Hera's ship. You know, we see her and Jason and Chopper um, in the in the cockpit. Um, so that was a cool thing for for Rebels fans. Yeah, I'm wondering it like you know it's as big as the Anakin scene was uh this week what would be really huge for rebels fan is are we going to get a kanan jarrus sort of force ghost or world between worlds situation and obviously that's 
Hera's former, I don't even know if they were actually husband and wife or not, but, uh, but right. you know, I, partner uh, and, and, yeah. and, and Jason's father and, uh, you know, was Ezra Bridger's mentor. Um, and so he died during rebels, spoiler alert. And, uh, you know, the question is well, whether he'll show up at some point, I kind of feel like he will. Um, but I don't know, but especially now that we have Anakin back, I just feel like that's something that people would l- like literally lose their minds for right. Freddie and Prince think, Jr. shows up as Kanan Jarrus. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, but I think that comes down sort of the to one of the big questions about the show is that balance you have to strike, right? Because on one hand, you've got legions of Rebels fans who are sort of waiting to see all of these characters in live action and waiting to see sort of like the resolution to these stories that were first told, you know, several years ago. And then you've got people who are totally new to this and are going to be like, wait, another Rebels character? Who is this guy? And like, I just learned all these other people's names. So I think it's going to be kind of a tough balance to walk like okay how much how much is too much and i don't know the answer i don't i don't know the answer to that so but i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised i think it's a it's a fair prediction well um, it, to, to your point though if they're if he's going to show up they have to do a little legwork first they haven't really yeah. I, I i can't remember whether he's even been mentioned or not you know what well, i mean they, like there's the whole bit with um jason where jason's right. like i want to be a jedi like my dad you know basically whatever the actual line is and and Hera's like I know you do buddy I know you do um but they haven't said what his name is I don't think I don't think they, they've or, said how he yeah. sacrificed himself for the crew I don't I don't yeah. think that's come up unless I've forgotten so they're gonna have to, to ha- so that there's any kind of emotional uh response from a non-rebels viewer you're gonna ha- they if if he's gonna show up they're gonna do some legwork first yeah um otherwise you you're right people will just be out. like who's this guy like I don't care about this um so Let's talk about Thrawn for a second. We have eight episodes of Ahsoka, at least this season. We'll see if they do more. We're four episodes done now. We're halfway done. I don't think it's a problem that Thrawn hasn't shown up because three out of the four episodes have been really strong and doesn't necessarily, quote unquote, need him. But that's obviously the mission is finding Thrawn. They keep talking about it. You mentioned the heir to the Empire. When does Thrawn need to show up, Devin? Well, I mean, it might be next episode. It really might. Either so. Here's my prediction prediction for next week's episode. We're either going to follow, you know, Morgan and Shin and Sabine and Balin into wherever Thrawn is, and we're going to meet Thrawn and maybe find out what happened to Ezra, and that's going to continue. Or we're going to get a completely standalone episode set within the world between worlds. That's just Ahsoka and Anakin, and we're going to press pause on that whole storyline for for an episode. So I think we're going to either either get a little bit of both, or we're just going to go all in on Ahsoka and Anakin next episode. Um, we'll see what we get. But I think if not next episode, then then, then clearly he's got to show up in six because um, then we're we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it's honestly smart. I think they're sort of like they've already got a lot of bad guys. Um, you know, there there's been plot happening and sort of setting up this this big quest um i'm okay with with them sort of holding back a little bit and and you know withholding thrawn a little bit until we i i i really hope he gets a really good entrance like he's he's got to get a really good entrance because this is a character one not just making his live action debut but sort of making his you know not his canon debut he was already canon but certainly a character that a lot of people have waited to see in live action for a very very long period of time more than 30 years um so i think he's he's got to make he's got to make an entrance i i think he deserves like a really really good good scene where we where we see thrawn so i don't know that's my prediction um what about you do you think next episode or or the one after it's got to be by six i feel like i feel like it's got yeah it's five or six um and it might be like they might do what they kind of did here, like the very end of five, last shot five, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then and then we're off to the races with them in six. It's kind of interesting in terms of like, okay, so they they destroyed the map after they used it to find how to get them and and how they're going to get them. And I, I you know, at, at, until the World Between Worlds showed up, I was like, oh, you know, we talked about Indiana Jones earlier. I'm like, is this a Raiders of the Ark type thing where she burned the, because remember at one point when she tried to pick it up and by the way, while she was battling Balin, she kept trying to go over to pick it up. I'm like, why don't you just force push that thing out of there? Right? Like, yeah. that's what, isn't that what the force is for? Like right. for like getting objects? I mean, like Anakin's sitting there like moving the salt and pepper shakers and the fruit and Naboo. He's with like, <laughs> you know, Padme, can't you just move that, this map that's might kill all of, uh, you know, the new Republic out of that stupid thing. But no, she didn't. But anyway, she did pick it up and it burned her hand. I'm like, oh my God, did she just get like the map burned on her hand? Is this like the Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark? 
But I, I'm kind of guessing if she does get there, it's through the world between worlds. Because again, time and space, maybe that takes her where she needs to go. I don't know. Yeah, either I think it's either going to be world between worlds or somehow they're going to track Sabine and be able to follow, you know, because Sabine went with them. Um, I think that's that's going to be the question. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to hit on before we get to uh, your big interview with, uh, with Shin Hadi? Uh, just that Hu Yang continues to be my favorite. Oh, he's so good. I'm so glad he didn't die. He's good. He's good. He's not K2SO good, but he's clearly inspired by K2SO. Oh yeah, similar vibes. He's clearly, yeah, he's got a little bit of that sass to him, um, that K2SO, but yeah, you know, he's great. I love him too. Uh, all right. Um, anyway, let us know what you thought of the episode. Any any thoughts you want to react to what we said or anything you want to say? Like again, 657-799-1566. We'll put you on the pod. Uh, all right. Uh, we are, as we've said a million times, we are loving what Ivana Sokno is doing as the so good. Jedi, Jedi apprentice mercenary Shin. And we love it whenever we get to talk to Ivana Sokno about her character, which is precisely what Devin did. And we have that interview coming up for you right after this quick break. Hey, Ivana, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so excited to get to talk to you a little bit about Soka. Likewise, likewise. I'm excited that we get to speak about the show. I was going to say, has it been hard keeping the secrets? Of course it has. Like with any Star Wars show, for a good reason, it's, it's, it is um, to be kept a secret. But I, it only makes me more excited for people to finally watch it. But there's so much that I want to share and so little that I can actually say. So, you know. It's a hard, hard balance to find. To start, give me a little bit of background as to kind of how you got involved in this show. It was uh, just like everything else. The um, auditioning process was very secretive. I got uh, what we call dummy sites, meaning the sites were just created solely for the audition tape itself. I was working in France at that time and um, I sent in the tape and afterwards I heard back from the casting director, Sarah Finn, a phenomenal casting director, and she informed me that they wanted to move forward. And um, I asked to have a conversation with Dave and John to just really understand a little bit better what the story was about, um, whatever they could share, and also understand a little bit better um, about the character itself. So we have spoken and um, we quickly found a mutual language and understanding. And I realized that these are the people who I really wanted to work with. And I was really grateful that I was given the chance to. Yeah. And I know we don't know too much about Shin, but we know from the trailer, we know she's a force user. We know she has a a lightsaber. What can you kind of tell me about her and kind of how she fits into this story? Well, Shin is an apprentice to Balin, played by the wonderful Ray. Um, she is, you know, once again, everything that I could say is that um, she's very um, calculated and um, Bail- at, at, at times she is impatient, um, but she's a seeker. And I think she's only in the beginning of finding her own voice. Interesting. It's an interesting tease. <laughs> That's really all I could say. <laughs> you know, it's like, to be honest, it's like really just like the what you're allowed to share, and it's just like finding different pockets of ways of trying to like kind of <laughs> explain who she is. But throughout just getting to discover her, she has taught me a lot about understanding that intensity within somebody, you know. And I really think that there might be quite a few people who may resonate with some sides of her and her desire to understand her surroundings and understand if it's something that is true to her nature. Oh, I love that. Tell me a little bit about like the physical aspects of preparing for this role. You know, I see in the trailer, we see you using a lightsaber. What kind of like training did you do for for that kind of element? There is a quite a significant amount of action in the show. So training and preparing for those scenes was very important. I got to work with our incredible stunt coordinator, Ming Q. And just like many of our um, of the actors on the show, we had to undergo months of preparation and training with Ming and the rest of the stunt team. And they were great leaders. They they were able to not only prepare us physically, but also mentally. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really hope that it pays off on screen because we've put a lot of 
effort and um, um, time into into that aspect of the show. Yeah, and I know in the trailer we also see you um, piloting a ship, which is pretty cool. What's it like to you know be behind the controls of a a spaceship in the Star Wars galaxy? Just to be honest, just like the logistics of it, it was the coolest thing in the world. I remember, um, we, you know, we in general, um, the set, same as for Mandalorian, we use a really advanced technology. So we do have a stage that's called volume and uh, it's filled with screens and incredible light. But the actual ship and a lot of the aspects of the physical world, they were built for the show. So I do remember sitting inside of my compod and really catching my younger self as a kid looking around and all the buttons were working and you feel like it's your childhood dream coming true because you really feel like a pilot in a ship and you get to do this for a living so i just i just felt giddy and incredibly lucky to to be able to experience it that's so cool, especially to have like obviously the volume is incredible technology, but it's always nice to have like that actual like physical thing in front of you. I imagine absolutely, and there's a lot of components within the um, show itself that are physical, and just like in the original films, they did use a lot of props and for the films itself, and that play gets itself into the way that this show was made as well. So it's a uh, it's a very I think it's a very balanced combination of the two, of the advanced technology and also the physical creations that our props team have made. That makes sense. And tell me a little bit about working with Rosario, who's you know number one on the call sheet. She's kind of captain of this ship. Rosario is really great. You know, it, to me, it makes all the sense that she was chosen to play Ahsoka because she is a real life Jedi. Like I have so much respect for her work ethic and the way that she leads her life, the way that she chooses to use her voice as well. I think that she is a wonderful role model and the perfect person to, to play Ahsoka. Working with her was just, um, you feel really supported and you feel loved. She supports every single crew member and the way that she walks on set, she carries Ahsoka's energy. And um, it's just it was filled with a lot of laughter and celebration and just support of one another. Absolutely. I'm curious, was there anything about like making this show or joining the world of Star Wars that really surprised you or that you weren't expecting when you when you first came into this? I'm just taking one day at a time and trying to be present with experiencing the way that it's unfolding. One thing that I really I feel very lucky to have experienced and I think I would be any actor would be lucky to experience in any show is the respect and involvement that you feel. And I think it has to do with really Dave and John and the way that they lead the set because they're the perfect leaders and collaborators. Um, Dave makes sure that every person involved in the making of the show is an equal part of making it. So he really, I would say, cherishes the opinion of every person and creating Shin. I felt like my, like everybody else's, my involvement mattered. And um, because she's a new character, we got to really create some of the parts of her from the very beginning. And it did feel like with costume and makeup, it felt like storytelling. And it really does have to do with the crew because everybody is equally um a genuine storyteller in the crew. And that is a gift to feel on any show. And the fact that that was so potent on the set of Star Wars, it only makes sense because of what the show speaks on. The set was hopeful. And so our show is as well. I love that. Yeah, you don't necessarily expect something like as big as a Star Wars show to be a collaborative place. But I imagine that makes for such a better creative environment to have that sense of collaboration and, and creativity yeah you, you you really understand what you do it for there's was a lot of humility and warmth and very little ego involved in set and the set itself is also it's like it's located in los angeles and it's um it's quite small and family-like so everybody is they're a real deal you want to come back and it's being part of a tv series it's it's my first time being part of something that makes you want to come back makes you hope to come back and uh, makes you be excited to be a storyteller. That makes mm -hmm. sense. 
And I also wanted to ask about Ray Stevenson, um, who sadly passed away earlier this year. Uh, do you have any fond memories of, of working with him or, or really getting to know him on set that are, that are you know, really stand out to you? Of course I do. I, um, we were inseparable for the reason of the way that the, the story is shaped. But I, I think with so many people that have gotten to know the gift of Ray Stevenson in real life, his impact on my life is immeasurable and so is the ache of losing him i miss him terribly and i carry his light within him i think of him every day and i only hope to honor him and all that he has given me um in this lifetime moving on i'm so i'm so grateful that the show has given me the chance to know him Oh, <laughs> beautifully said. No, not at all. Thank you for for sharing. Yeah, I, I from everyone I've spoke to, he, he seems like a really extraordinary, extraordinary person. I I'm words wouldn't do it justice. He really is a gift. Yeah. Is there anything we didn't talk about um, about this show that's that's you know really memorable for you or or really really stands out to you? Well, you know, I think just in general, I hope that people enjoy it. And I hope that people just have fun watching it because the show is just a big, incredible adventure. It's also mythical and suspenseful and full of heart. And Dave always reminds us that Star Wars is fundamentally about hope. And I believe that our show keeps it top of mind. Yeah, it seems like that's very much part of the DNA of the show, both on screen and, and off. It's honest, and so is um, so are the people who have created it, and it's something we. It's the biggest thing we can hope for. Absolutely, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much to Ivana Sokno for hanging out with us here on the Dagoba Dispatch this week, and thank you for doing the same. If you have just thirty seconds, please follow, rate, and review the podcast. We'd really appreciate it, and we'll even give you a shout out right here on the pod. Also, please remember to leave a voicemail message. All you got to do is call us up at 657-799-1566. That's 657-799-1566. And you can be the star of the show. You can connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Executive produced by Chanel Johnson. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.